Welcome to the Help Club for Moms podcast. Each week we offer biblical encouragement and practical ideas to help you know the love of Jesus Christ more deeply and become the woman, wife, and mother you were created to be. We're so glad you're here. It's going to be a great day. This morning as we talk about Monday of Holy Week. So this is such a great conversation to be having this week and Moms, as you join in, please just say hello. Let me know you're there. But also, as we just think about the these days that are so important that lead up until Easter, um, this is important for our families, our children. You know, we have here, in especially North America, really commercialized Easter. And, you know, it's fun to go on egg hunts and to color eggs and chocolate bunnies and all of these things, but we have a responsibility to allow our children to see their heritage of faith and to really understand those foundational pieces to what it means to follow Christ and why we do and, and some of the historic pieces. So we're going to be diving into the to Monday of Holy Week. Um, as many of you know, maybe if you were at church yesterday, um, it was Palm Sunday, and this is the day that Jesus has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, you know, as you're joining in, Crystal, it's so good to see you. Of course, thank you so much for having me here. And we, um, Zunya, no, Zuin, Zuin. Wow, Zuin. I'm not saying that right, but it's beautiful, and I'm sure it's pronounced even more beautiful. But um, Sarah's here as well. Good morning. Uh, think about just what that must have been like to to have Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And if if you were a Jewish person at that at that time, you would have come to Jerusalem for what was going to be Passover in just a few days. So this city is swelling with people. Um, historians talk about the fact that there are probably three times the people that normally live there or more. So just imagine here. Uh, in your city, uh, three, whatever your population is now triple that. And there is just a bustle and bustle of people. And as Jesus rides in, um, he, he is pronounced King by the people. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're waving branches at him. Um, they're, they're claiming him to be their King. And when they say Hosanna to him, they're, this word means save us. They want, King to come and save them. So this is the backdrop that you already learned about yesterday, but it's kind of this moment where there's throngs of people in Jerusalem and every day becomes so important. So we come to Monday and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we do, I want to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us as we look at his scriptures and um, we seek to understand uh, how we can apply these things in our own life today, thousands of years later, and then how we can make these meaningful for our children. So uh, would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we just pause on this on this very incredible moment that, that uh, marks our faith in such significant ways. And we pause to look to you to, first of all, say thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for designing a plan for us to be reconciled to you and for the sacrifice of sending your son, Jesus, who was so obedient and who was 
full of faith and taught us what it meant to be in relationship first with you, but with others. And um, this moment in history, we want to remember it now. We ask that you would help us through your spirit to apply scripture to our lives and, and let it sink deeply in us so that we're, we're modeling this to our children, that they see it. They see our genuine faith. They see what we believe and why we believe and help us to be equipped so that we can equip our children. So let us just marinate in what Monday was for you, Jesus. Help us just to maybe uh, figuratively, but also in our imaginations and with our heart and with our spirit, walking your steps of what you were feeling and thinking and your purposes for what you did. Lord, uh, help us to grow from that. We trust you in this moment. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So. Like I said, um, we had we had Sunday. He came, so he's now in Jerusalem, and this was a very appointed time for him, right? Because Passover is about to happen. That's why everybody was there, and he is about to be the Passover lamb. And there's so much significance and symbolism in all of this, and so it's just just so fun to uh, that scripture is a treasure trove of finding new things and always learning. I've been studying scripture since I was a child, and it's it's hardly a week or a day goes by where I don't learn something new. And so I just want you to resist the temptation of feeling overwhelmed ever when you're learning stuff about scripture and just realize that there will be layer upon layer upon layer. We will never fully, fully understand until we see him. And so it's this lifelong journey of learning. Okay, so we come to Monday. And before we talk about two of the events that happened um, that we're going to talk about, cleansing the temple and the cursing of the fig tree. Today, you can find these scriptures in uh, Matthew 21, 12 through 22, and then Mark 11, 15 through 19, and then Luke 19, 45 through 48. And I, I think they're going to be posting those. But as we um, as we say those scriptures, I also just want to um, say hello to Jay and to Tanya Deborah Berg, um, we're so happy to have you here, and Rachel. And as we um, look at the scriptures, you know, there's also a mention of the cleansing of the temple in John, and it comes early in John. It comes in two, and so different theologians have different understandings of was there two cleansings? Was was there one? But just in general. Um, for those of you who might not have studied the Gospels very much, the, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's four different eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, right? And sometimes people get confused or hung up because maybe they go in the same order or maybe they mention things slightly different. And this is by no means... Um, an incongruency in scripture. I want I want you to understand that that these scriptures were put together for different. That's why we have all four of them. And just for a moment, I want you to think about something. Let's say that um, there were four of us and we went on a cruise together, which that would be fun. Maybe help club for mom's cruise, right? We'll talk to Deb. But um, let's say we all four went on a cruise. And let's say we came back and we told our best friend or our spouse about the cruise. And let's say that I was really, um, I was really fascinated with the ports of call. So I told my husband, 
every single ports of call, but maybe I started with the ports of call that we went to on Thursday and maybe we took off on a Monday, but I, that was my favorite. So I told him about the port of call Thursday. And then I sort of remembered something that happened on Monday in a different port of call. And then I, oh, I remembered that kind of tied into something that happened on Friday. My purpose wasn't to be chronological. My purpose was to say how excited I was about where we were reported each day and some significant things about that. But then um, maybe one of you, you're just a foodie, you know, and so you loved all the meals. And so you just, you talked about the different restaurants we went to and the different foods you were served. And that's how you arranged your thought process. And maybe then you also talked about a couple of ports of call, but they related more to the food that you ate. And then um, maybe one of you is, you're just a historian. You're the girl that uh, you kept a diary of your day-by-day -day things, and you you related this to your friends and family chronologically because that was important to you, and you wanted to make sure that you represented our trip in a historical manner. And then finally, maybe there was a fourth one, and uh, you just love to work out, and so you're going to talk about the things that we did from snorkeling to being in the gym and and maybe you left out food because maybe that just wasn't as important and you ate and you ate with us but maybe you left that out but maybe you did talk about some of the ports of calls and overlapped with mine now imagine your our friends and family get together and they start talking about our trip and they start thinking maybe there's contradictions but if we all came in the room we would say well no those aren't contradictions those those all those things happened and maybe they were arranged in a different way and the reason I tell you this is because sometimes when you're reading um, one specific act which is Holy Week that we're talking about now in the Gospels things might be out of order or they might have different emphases or different things like that and I just want you to keep that illustration in mind so that you don't doubt scripture uh, the, the parts of it are true but whether we get it exactly correlated into our little books or lines. That's not the point. So let's not miss the point. So as we enter into this, um, let's let's just kind of look at what, what historians say happened on Holy Monday. And this is important because he was in Jerusalem. And, and it, if you think about it, Jesus knew that Friday when Passover came, that he would be the Passover lamb. It's the reason that he came. It's the reason he came to earth physically to be our sacrifice, to be our perfect lamb. And so imagine knowing you have five days left, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, you these are your very last days. What would you say? What would you do to the people that you love? What would you what would you um, make sure that they understood and, and knew? And most of us don't know that but now that we know that we can take we can take a look at what he said and and know that he was purposeful because every moment and every word was going to have significance right so it's monday and he goes to the temple and before even arriving at the temple, he had been staying in Bethany, probably with his friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And, and this is probably about a 30-minute walk from Bethany back to Jerusalem. And um, probably during that time, he would reflect, right? Let's say you have five days to live. You're going to be reflecting. He's walking. He's probably thinking. He's praying to the Father. And 
he's about to enter the temple and he real and he's realizing how much the temple has become something that he and his father did not intend the the temple was to be this place of worship it was to be a place of prayer and yes sacrifices but the sacrifices were simply to to show that there is a penalty or a payment when we sin, right? And and oftentimes these sacrifices were offerings, but sometimes these sacrifices were things that had a, that had to cost us something. So whether we are giving an offering to the Lord to say we love you and thank you, it costs me something. If I sin, the wages of sin is death, and so there there's a death that needs to take place. There's the shedding of blood, which sets up the what Christ did for us, but there's a cost. And so as it gets to the temple, there are, there are, there are people who are using extortion. They're, 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 un, they're unwise in the way that they're handling money. They're unfair in the way that they're demanding. And maybe you needed to buy two doves and you couldn't travel from where you were with your two doves to come. So you were going to buy them there, right? Have you ever done that on vacation? Um, something's too large or too whatever to bring. So you just say, we'll buy it when we get there. Well, now it's three times more expensive, 10 times more expensive, 50 times more expensive. And so they're, they're robbing these people. They're taking advantage of God's people and misrepresenting the heart of God. The heart of God is not to tax you beyond. It's it's just what was fair and good and what they knew. So um, Jesus becomes enraged that they're doing that, that they're selling things and that they're extorting the people that the money changing even. So let's say I had to turn my currency from Africa um, into this Jewish currency or the Roman currency and, and the exchange rate is exorbitant and you're also taking advantage of me there and so time after time no matter where i went i'm being taken advantage of and this is in the temple this is in the house of god where these people are just coming to be in the presence of god and to pray and to be obedient coming to passover uh, in jerusalem and jesus is enraged and this is where we have um in scripture matthew 21 starting with 12, verse 12 it says and jesus entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He was, he was infuriated. And I think sometimes when we only picture Jesus with a, like a little lamb around his neck and children on his lap, we forget that he is not only loving and merciful and kind, but he's also just. And and he it, he has righteous anger toward appropriate things. That is the very character and nature of God. And this is a time when Jesus shows and displays righteous anger. And the heart of his righteous anger is that people are taking advantage of his people and that they are misrepresenting God. Both of these things are of importance to God. And if you think back of misrepresenting God, if you think back into um, when Moses had the Israelites in the wilderness 
And he becomes really upset with the people's griping and their lack of faith. And they are demanding water. And it's sort of this moment where he says, you want water? Here's water. And he whacks the rock, you know, probably as moms, we understand that where our kids are just mom, mom, mom. And we finally just throw something at them. And we're not using righteous anger at that point. We're just, we're just unrighteous. But Moses has this moment where he's unrighteous and he hits the rock and water comes out and God provides for the people. But later it's as if God, you know, takes Moses aside and he says, what are you, what are you doing? You know, you are the appointed leader to represent me to the children of Israel. And you're misrepresenting me. You're making me look like I'm an angry God and that I, I'm, not, I'm not merciful to hear their cries. And you've misrepresented me. And there was a consequence for that for Moses. He wasn't able to enter into the promised land. But I think about application for us as moms. We, have, we are not perfect representations of Jesus, right? Jesus is the only perfect representation of the Father and himself. But we have been commissioned to represent him. And so it's important that we represent him um, as he is. And you know what, moms, when you get it right, you can say that represents your heavenly father. That represents Jesus. And when you get it wrong, we have to be willing to say that's not who your heavenly father is. Your heavenly father does not yell at you or lose his temper with you. He is kind and long-suffering and, and he's good. So I think we have to look at how we represent him and the you know the people who were in the temple these were supposed to be the religious leaders they were supposed to be the people that we could look to to say what is god like and they were misrepresenting so sometimes we have more authority we have more responsibility right so we have this responsibility in our children's lives and as a pastor a family pastor, I have a responsibility too. I can't, there are some things that I just cannot do or say. There's things I've chosen to deny myself or chosen to do because I represent him to so many people who are watching. Those little eyes are watching us, right, moms? So there's this cleansing. And so I would love for you just to pause for a second and think if Jesus were to arrive at the doorstep of your heart right now and he was going to walk into your heart and just as the temple we are the temple of the holy spirit and if he needed to cleanse something in you that is misrepresenting him to your children what would he need to overturn what would he need to cleanse what would he need to take out or extract out of your out of your heart your life Maybe it's a bad attitude. Maybe it's um, a shortness of temper where you're just quick to lose that temper. Or um, maybe it's a, a jealous heart towards some of your friends or family members. Maybe it's resentment towards your spouse or somebody who's wounded you. Whatever it is, I would love for you just to pause right now and ask the Spirit of God, what is it that you need to cleanse in me that is misrepresenting you to those who are watching? Just take a moment and ask him. And maybe, maybe some of you are willing to share. I mean, we're sisters, right? We're, we're willing to share. And um, I think... Um, I think for me, when I was raising kids and they were little, um, I think I've, I, 
I think I was building up resentment in my heart toward uh, my husband at times because I felt like I was doing all the work, the house, the kids, also working part-time or full-time. And I think there were times when if he would come home and he was watching TV or he was doing something fun that didn't appear like work, I was resentful. And God needed to really extract that out of my heart because my job is to love him, to support him. And, and when I was godly and I was spirit moved, I could share those things with him. And, and I, I would ask the Holy Spirit to quicken his heart to, to feel, oh, when I come home, maybe I can help my wife instead of just nagging him and resenting him. And him building in us a trust relationship to talk about such things. But bitterness can be a little root that takes plant in our heart as resentment. And then it just fully blossoms and starts bearing all kinds of ugly, ugly fruit in our lives. And, and we don't want that, but um, we have a mom that's sharing to cleanse your anger. And I, I thank you for sharing that because um, anger, most of the time we don't have righteous anger, but righteous anger is good. I mean, scripture even tells us that we can be angry and sin not. So there is a place for that. But a lot of times we just resort to anger uh, that is not godly. And um, sometimes there's pain below that surface. But yes, God cleanses from anger, cleanses from hurtful words that come from anger and hurtful actions that come from that. Um, we, we have another mom just saying, cleanse my shortness with my husband. Yeah, we we're tired, we're overwhelmed. Sometimes we can be short in our words and just to pause and to breathe and say, Holy Spirit, you be the one to speak through me. The kindness that you give us, let this kindness come out of my mouth. And um, that's a beautiful thing. Cleanse that from us, Lord, all of us. Well, moms, feel free to continue to share as maybe you feel prompted because it helps us realize we're not alone. I'm not the only one with anger. I'm not the only one with shortness um, in our words or how we act. And the, those are things where um, we can not beat ourselves up because that's not what God wants us to do. But he does want us to open our hearts and just say, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, come in and throw out everything, turn over everything that is ungodly, doesn't represent you to the world, to my neighbors, to my spouse, to my kids. <sighs> Doesn't it feel good? It feels so good. We get to do this on Monday. It's a cleansing. Um, a lot of people do uh, body cleansings, right? And we do cleansing breaths. We need to do spiritual temple cleansings by um, the loving hands of Jesus. So this is something that happened on that Monday. And then it says that um, in the morning he was returning to the city and he became hungry. Jesus, Jesus became hungry, right? He's a, he was in human flesh. And, and he saw a fig tree, verse 19, by the wayside, and he went to it and he found nothing on it but leaves. And fig trees in this region usually bear fruit two times a year, which is interesting. They usually bear fruit um, in the June time and then September they would bear like another kind of secondary harvest. And this would have been the April season, right? So Easter 
Just a little side note, Easter always changes its date because we're following Passover of the Jewish calendar. So that's why Easter always changes. Sometimes it's in March, sometimes it's in April because we're following that Jewish calendar of Passover. Um, this year it's April 15th, next year it's early April, then it will switch back to March. But so this would have been around that season, March, april right? Depending on what that, the Jewish calendar is different than our calendar. But at that time, for there to be leaves, that was probably an, a little early. But for leaves, there should have been fruit, even if it had been not fully ripened fruit. So it's as if the tree is pretending to be ripe, right? Uh, and Jesus is, is using this as an object lesson to say, um, you're, perf you're professing to be godly, but you don't practice these things. And he's using this fig tree to say, you're professing to have figs by having leaves out here, but you don't have fruit. And Jesus is always very concerned about our words and our actions being aligned because that's who he is. That's the character of God. If he says something, it will happen. It's truth. And oftentimes, we profess a lot of things, but we're not living it. And so he curses the tree. He says, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig withered all at once. Now we're looking at these two stories. We're like, wow, Jesus is really being mean. I like the little shepherd Jesus, you know. But remember, five days left. Five days left to, to pronounce the faith of his father, like his faith, and to strengthen our faith. He's going to be gone. And to strengthen our faith and then to proclaim that he's the Messiah. He's the one who has the authority to go in and cleanse the temple. He's the only one. He's the one who has the authority to say, you're all talk, but you're no action. He's the only one. We can't judge another person. We can't look at their heart or look at their fruit. He's the only one. He has Messiah power to do these things, right? And so he says, don't be the kind of tree that professes but doesn't bear fruit so he said when the disciples saw this they marveled right because he says how did that fig tree wither at once well because jesus has power over all living things he's the creator so he has power over all living things and jesus answered them truly i say to you if you have faith and do not doubt you will not only be able to do what is done to this fig tree but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So he's he's helping strengthen their faith. He, he's calling them to lives of prayer. But he's also making a very a visual object lesson, right? Object lessons, they sear in our memory. There's a tree that has leaves on it. It looks perfectly healthy and then it withers at once. Can you just imagine that sitting right there? You're going to say like, wow, not only does this man have power, um, he might be who he actually said he is. And they need to believe this because in about five days, he's going to be dead and he needs them to believe that he is will be the resurrected Messiah and carry this faith on. So um, it's an object lesson for his power. It's also an object lesson for his ability to judge. He's the only one to be able to judge. And it's an object lesson that he cares about us being hypocrites, right? So think about that. Um, again, as moms, we, we are in a position where we have little eyewitnesses always watching us. 
So when you're teaching them to be kind to one another, to forgive one another, to uh, memorize scripture, to read scripture, to be in church and to pray at all times and um, to ask the Holy Spirit to comfort us when we're hurting or to trust God or all these things that our mouths say because we want our littles to know them, right? Are we as moms living that? Are we producing the fruit? Because our words need to match our actions. And not only does Jesus require this of us, but it's dangerous for our children when we don't. I used to work in uh, ministries. And as the girls were about to leave their senior year, I would take, we had a lake nearby and I would take these um, young women on a lap around the lake and they could ask me anything and we would talk about their life and spirituality and where they were with Jesus and how they were entering into their adult years. It was no longer their parents' faith. It was theirs and all sorts of things. But I was struck with how many of them felt as if their parents' faith was hypocritical. That that seared my heart. And as they unpacked, it was because they, it wasn't that they didn't believe those things were true. They had learned those things from their parents, but they, they doubted the power of God to make those things manifest in their lives because they would say things like, you know, my parents were so big on us as siblings, forgiving each other and saying we were sorry, but my parents are getting a divorce or they won't forgive his mother, my dad's mother, or they won't allow our cousins to come over because they're in a squabble with another family member. Or, you know, our parents always taught us to um, be truthful and honest, but I heard my dad and he hasn't even paid his taxes for his business in years. And, and, um, and he's, he's done a illegal um, business adventure with his brother and, and they would see the incongruency of what their parents would say. And I think it really robbed them of understanding the power of God within us to help us accomplish the things that Jesus has asked us to do. So where is it that our lives and what we believe and what we profess with our mouth as faith, right? And what we believe to be true, where is it that that is incongruent with our lives and this is another type of cleansing, but this is this is a requirement as children of God that we bear fruit. Jesus says that we will be known by our fruit. So are we producing good fruit or are we producing bad fruit? But moms, our words and our actions have to align because there's too much at stake. Um, and so I'm going to give you just another moment to pause and to ask God where where am I professing one thing, but I'm not? And it could even be trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So am I today? I'll just, I'll confess. Um, I have the gathering coming up next week for ministry leaders and parents. I have kids camp coming up in June. Um, I have another conference coming up in July and my daughter is getting married in August, which I'm so excited about, but I've got a lot on my plate. And if I say, am I trusting the Lord with all of my heart, leaning not on my own understanding of how I will get all this all done <laughs> and by acknowledging him and his power in all of my ways, 
Um, I don't know if I, if I could just say that I don't just wake up ready like that. I have to prepare my heart. I have to confess. I have to realign myself on this Monday. I want him to cleanse my temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want him to make the words that I say congruent with the actions of me. I don't want to be a cursed fig tree. I want to be a fig tree that produces fruit in season and out of season. And anytime Jesus comes to call on me, he finds good fruit on my branches. Whew, moms, thank you for being with us. I want to pray with you. And so let me know how I can pray with you in the chat box. And I have another mom that's just confessing that she wants her critical spirit toward her husband and her short temper with her children to be cleansed. Yes, Jesus, in your name, we pray that this would be cleansed. I pray for these things to be eradicated from her heart. Um, I pray for the mom that wanted anger to be gone, Father, with your peace and with your power, will you make this anger um, be omitted from her life today. We don't even pray for tomorrow because you say tomorrow has enough worries of its own and your grace is sufficient for every day. So tomorrow you will give her grace for tomorrow. But today, God, give her victory over this anger today. Um, Father, I pray for the other moms that um, whatever doesn't represent you well, one mom said, or the shortness with her husband, I pray that your words would flow from her mouth, that your grace would just flow from their lives supernaturally so that they would know it's you and give glory to you. Um, Father, we can't do any of these things in our own strength. Absolutely not. And you never intended us to. And that's why you sent your spirit to help us. So we rely upon your spirit to do what only you can do in our lives. And we're under so much pressure to be on all the time as moms, right? And we're tired. We don't sleep well. Um, we're oftentimes isolated from girlfriends and, and family members who could pour into us. And so we thank you for something like the Help Club for Moms, which binds us together in perfect unity. Uh, Father, I pray for every single mom who's watching this live or later that you would just flood them um, with this power of, of Holy Monday, as we look at what Jesus did and how intentional he was to these very poignant things, but that you would be intentional in our lives too. Father, we trust you for all of these things. In Jesus' name. And all of God's moms said, Amen. <laughs> so you guys, it's just been such a joy to be with you. I love teaching God's word. I love making things practical for us to understand and to put into practice. And I just encourage you as you leave this time that you will go spend some time with Jesus and um, continue to ask him these questions, continue to let him do this work in you, not just during Holy Week, right? But every day. And like I prayed earlier, his grace is sufficient for that day. So we have to go back to him every single day, just like the Israelites went for manna every single morning. He didn't let them store up the manna, right? We want to store it up. Um, but he, he wanted us to go back every single morning and trust him afresh and anew for that day. So um, thank you so much. I love you ladies. In the name of Jesus, and I see all your little comments coming through. So thank you. You guys are wonderful. Have a great week. I know there's great teaching going to be happening every day to help you prepare for Easter and your homes and your hearts and your families. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Bye.